Hello and welcome. Thank you for clicking on this episode. You're listening to Retold, a podcast where I review and analyze modern retellings of ancient history and mythology. I'm your host, Sophia, and today I'm going to be, well, you know, today is the same day as the other one, but I'm posting, this is, uh, this is part two of the episode on the Song of Achilles, and, um, it, yeah, I, <laughs> If you haven't listened to that, to, to part one, please go do it. Um, yeah, I think this is a book that I've really enjoyed, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I don't really know, I don't really know what to say in the intro part two, but yeah, regardless, if you if you liked episode one or part one, please continue to listen to part two. Um, again, thank you, thank you for listening. This is part two of episode two of season one of Retold, The Song of Achilles, part two. So, um, obviously, this is part two of an, of an episode, and uh, definitely you should, if you haven't let yet, uh, please listen to part one of this episode, because, uh, yeah, I mean, why would you listen to part two without listening to part one? Um, in part one, I give a summary about The Song of Achilles, just, like, what it's about, it's about, and I also give an explanation on why I kind of rebranded the podcast, and also, I talked about uh, Patroclus and Achilles' characterizations, and Patroclus's POV, and everything I think about that, so please head on over and hear my thoughts, if you want to, of course. Um, yeah, so today, uh, I guess I would just start off with, um, this is gonna be really short, but Oh, other kings. I wanted to talk a little bit about the other kings. Actually, I, I mean, this isn't actually that important, so I don't know about... I don't know, but... I don't know if I would... I'm gonna spend that much time on this, but... The other kings, I think it's interesting how they're all bad, because Achilles is very romanticized, and I don't think that Achilles' actions are actually very different from the kings. Well, I don't know about that. I feel like in the Song of Achilles, definitely Achilles' actions are objectively better than the other kings, simply because he doesn't sexually assault Briseis, but presumably the reason for that is because he's not into women, specifically not into anyone except for Patroclus, and not because he's a moral person, so I don't know. Regardless, I think there's no evidence that none of the other kings did that, to be fair. I think it's weird that um, the, the other kings are shown as such, like, terrible, immoral people. Not even immoral. Amoral. Like, they just don't think about any of this. Whereas Achilles is the person who has never killed. And I think it is interesting. I think there could be a justification for this. Um, you know, well, I don't know. Okay, specifically, I wanted to talk about two main ones, three main ones. Diomedes... Uh, Odysseus and Ajax. And I think it makes sense for Diomedes because he, I mean, you don't know this from the book, but Diomedes is, I mean, you do know this part. He's an Argive king. He's a king from Argos, which is another city-state. But you don't know this from the, the book, but he has actually been already been in two wars, and he's actually a very young king. He's, like, the youngest of the kings, because Achilles isn't actually a king. He's a prince. Um, but he was brought into war at a very early age, and I think it's interesting to parallel them, because he kind of has that opposite, like, he kind of had you know, Achilles starts off not desensitized to murder, and then he starts to become desensitized to murder. Uh, we don't actually see Diomedes murder anyone, but we see him as a very, uh, again, not a very good person. Not terrible, um, because we don't really get much of him, but I think it's interesting. Also, because he doesn't, he's not a bad guy in the Iliad. 
and he doesn't actually sexually assault anyone as far as I know, so that's fun. I don't think there's actually much I can say about the other kings with very much coherency. Coherence? I just think it's very interesting how they're characterized. We don't really get much of their personalities, though, so I don't know if I can say much about them. Ajax is actually very interesting, though, because Ajax is in the Iliad. Like, he, he's actually Achilles' cousin. Their dads are brothers. Um, and they're actually, like, friends and stuff to some degree. Um, and this is a scene in Song of Achilles and in the Iliad, uh, Ajax and Odysseus go to convince Achilles to come back to war, come back to the fight, and in the Iliad, Ajax is like, my dude, you're letting us all die, I hate you, <laughs> but then in the Song of Achilles, he's actually very villainized in that, in that short little section, because... Patroclus literally says, oh, Ajax is mad because he doesn't want to be here because he doesn't actually want Achilles to return because he wants to be Aristosakian. He wants to be the best fighter, and he wants to be seen as the best fighter of the Greeks. And with Achilles, you know, he's back to being... If Achilles came back, he would be back to be being the second best. And I just think that's, that's, that's weird, you know? I think it's a very deliberate choice on Madeline Miller's part, and I don't really know what to make of it because I feel like the only purpose that would have would be to villainize Ajax in a very weird way because Ajax, I mean, he doesn't have any other lines in the entirety of the book except for at the very beginning where he doesn't, that, in a scene that isn't really that important. Um... Yeah, it's just weird. Also, Odysseus? Odysseus is strangely... It's very strange. Because Odysseus is, like... He has his weirdly, like, good aspects. And then every other time, he's just kind of, like, there. He doesn't do anything, you know? Like, um, during the Suitors of Helen scene, he says, maybe Helen should choose. And that's just, like, why? I, I mean, yeah, theoretically, she should choose. But Odysseus, why do you think that, you know? Like, it's just weird. I just think that the characterization of the kings, like, she... Madeline Miller changed a lot when it comes to the kings. And I just don't know why. Like, I'm trying... And it's not... It's probably not Madeline Miller's fault. It could be something... It could just be an example of me not seeing it. Not seeing something that's maybe obvious. But I genuinely do not understand the motivation for those three changes specifically. But yeah, that's kind of all I had to say about the kings. Um, next, this is where we're getting into the juicy bits. Um, next is Thetis. And I will preface this by saying I am very pro Thetis. And I am very anti Thetis's characterization in Son of Achilles. Because I don't understand why she has to be so evil, you know? I feel like she was never rude to Patroclus and the Iliad. I don't think there's any real, like, mythological backup for Thetis hating Patroclus. And also, why is Thetis so scary? Like, I actually do kind of like that Thetis is scary, because I think that, like, nymphs in mythology are often like seen as like or goddesses in general are seen as not very powerful or scary they're just kind of there um whereas gods are very feared like male gods are very feared and i it doesn't really make sense because a female goddess can really just screw you over as well so like if you if you're wise you're gonna respect them you know and i think i and i like that she's not seen as this beautiful person because none of the male gods are seen as very, are seen as particularly beautiful. Like obviously, objectively, they're very good looking, but that's not a central point of her character. It's mainly of her description. She just her her visually, she is scary, and I like that because I think that I really am pro scary gods because, like, a god is someone who could literally do anything to you. That's scary. Um. Well, what I don't like about Thetis's characterization is that she is so weirdly evil. And she pretends, like, 
she presumably cares about Achilles, but he, she's not showing it. And she's not showing it in ways that she actually does show in the Iliad. Like, she cares about Achilles and is a, is a relatively good mother in most of the uh, children of, of the myth. Um, I'm thinking specifically the whole thing with Didamia. Um, honestly, this section, this, I'm just going to be talking about Thetis and Dijamia kind of in conjunction, conjunction. Oh, before we talk about Thetis, actually, I wanted to talk a little bit about Peleus. It's not actually that important. It's not going to be long. I just, I just don't understand why Peleus is such a good guy in this. Like, I understand that Peleus is quote unquote pious, but, but he's a bad guy. He's, he's not, he's never done anything good. I don't understand. Like, it. It could be another example of Patroclus' like blind spot. Because, you know, Peleus is the only father figure he's ever had in his life, and he's the only one who's shown him any kindness. So it does actually make sense that Peleus is a quote unquote good guy. But it also doesn't really make sense because Patroclus knows that he's that he was a terrible guy to Thetis, and yet he doesn't care. There's this one quote in particular that really just, like, confused me and did not give me good vibes. Um, he's talking about, like, and this is, like, when he first comes to Peleus's, uh, castle. And he says, quote, um, well, I won't quote it, but he basically talks about the entire scene of Peleus, um, sexually assaulting uh, Peleus, uh, not Peleus, Peleus did not sexually assault Peleus, um, Peleus assaulting Thetis, he says the entire story about how he struggled, how about how she struggled, how she, re- how she resisted, how she was literally forced by the gods, um, and yet, she- she then, but then, but then he, he there, he then makes it all about Peleus, and he says, quote, did Peleus ever re- regret the god's gift to him? An ordinary wife would have counted herself lucky to find a husband with Peleus's mildness, his smile-lined face, but for the scene of Thetis, nothing could ever eclipse the stain of his dirty mortal media, me- mediocrity. Sorry, I can't speak. What is that supposed to mean? Like, I... There's not much of this book that I genuinely hate. But this is, like... Just this passage, I genuinely hate this part. You know? Like, and this is no... This isn't hate as in, I hate this book. I'm not hating on the author. I just hate these words. I just don't... It's just... I just don't like it. Like... Peleus, if you're regretting anything, it's being a terrible person and sexually assaulting a goddess. An ordinary wife would have been, would have counted herself lucky to find a husband with Peleus's mildness. What mildness? He wrestled her into submission after, and then sexually assaulted her, and then married her. Why would you count yourself lucky for that to happen to you? You're a goddess. You shouldn't have to deal with this. You're even... No one should have to deal with this. Just why? Like, I... And I understand that being sexually assaulted is very common in Greek mythology. But this isn't how people would get married in ancient Greece. So it's not even a... It's not even a... uh, What's it called? A uh, product of... Patroclus's upbringing. This isn't normal. Like, normally people would have, like, arranged marriages. Like, his parents. They were arranged. Which isn't good. But it's not to the level where... Of Thetis and Peleus. Like... But for the scene of Thetis, nothing could ever eclipse the stain of his dirty mortal mediocrity. First of all, she's a goddess. If she doesn't want to marry a mortal, that's perfectly understandable. Like, that's not normal. Like, if a god marries 
a mortal woman, then 100% of the time, the woman becomes a goddess. But in this situation, that doesn't happen. Why would a goddess be happy with marrying a mortal man? That just doesn't make sense. Second of all, why would a goddess be happy being forced to marry a mortal man? Being forced to marry anyone. Why would why would that be why? Like I just don't understand this passage and I don't understand what the goal of it was. This it's not because he's mortal. I mean it is because he's mortal, but he's not because he's mortal. She just didn't want to. That what this is what I don't like no, I I don't like this passage. It really gives me bad vibes. And I just like I wish it didn't exist. And I wish someone in the editor's room had said something about it, you know? Again, it could be, you know, just another influence of Patroclus's POV, but like I don't know, like I just don't I don't I don't like it. I really don't like it. Um, it's different when you change the story completely, but to not change the story, this is, this is exactly how everything happens. So at this point, it's not an adaptation, it's commentary from Patroclus, through Patroclus from the author. And I'm not necessarily saying that this is the author's viewpoint, but that's what it sounds like. It sounds like this is Patroclus's viewpoint, and no other reason would, for that would be, except that this is the author's viewpoint. Again, I don't think it actually is, but I just don't understand why this passage was included. I don't understand why Patroclus would think this about that. Um, yeah, uh, I don't understand why. Yeah, I just, I just don't understand this passage. Um, moving on. That is, back to the whole thing with Didamia. So, well, okay, not first. First, first I want to talk about why Thetis hates Patroclus so much. I guess they're kind of linked. So, they're talking with Chiron, Patroclus, Achilles, and Chiron are talking about how Thetis doesn't want Patroclus to be Achilles' uh, companion. Achilles then says that, um, it's because he's mortal, and she doesn't think that he's a good companion because he's mortal. But, like, what did you, ex- like, that's just not rational. Because he, who else would be your companion? Are you just going to be alone for the rest of your life? I doubt she would want that, first of all. Second of all, second of all, it is kind of, like, framed in the way that he's, like, you know, he likes Achilles, because this... He sends her, she sends him, Achilles, away right after he sees that that Patroclus kissed Achilles. Um, And so, therefore, we're led to assume that he, she, I mean, she kind of hates him before, but it increases after that. And we're led to assume that she hates him because Achilles likes him and also he likes Achilles. I'm assuming that Achilles liking him is the bigger problem. But also, like, so it could be just that she doesn't want him to be, like, romantically involved with a mortal. But, oh, and that's also reinforced by when um, he says, after, like, Thetis forces him to sleep with Didamia, um, Achilles says, Didamia was because of you. So, we're assuming that it's because she doesn't want Achilles and Patroclus to be romantically involved, or sexually, I guess. But, like, I... But why? Like, I don't... Because, okay, no, if you're saying that she doesn't want you to be romantically involved or sexually because you are... um, Because Patroclus is mortal, then why would she have Achilles sleep with Didamia? Like, it doesn't really make sense to me. The only rational explanation for this is that the, is that Thetis is homophobic. But also, like, they don't mention it. Like, that's, they don't say anything about it. Like, it, there's not any real reasoning for why she hates 
there's no there's no logical reasoning for why Thetis hates Patroclus so much in the book. And it's also interesting because, like, you could have just not made Thetis evil. You could have just made Thetis a decent mother. Like, why did it have to be this way? I think it's, I, I don't think necessarily that people, that it's not interesting to have a good person in mythology become a bad person. But I just don't, okay, we're going to talk about Daijamia. Cause, Cause I just can't, I just can't hold it in. Thetis, what happens is that Thetis makes Achilles sleep with a princess. Um, well, no, we'll talk about it later. First, I want to talk about Thetis and what she thinks about Achilles' like honor or whatever, or like war and stuff. So Thetis gets a prophecy that Achilles will either die young and remain and be really famous, or he'll grow old and remain in obscurity. And that is presumably does not want him to go to war because she knows he'll die. And in the ancient sources, it's that's how it is. Um, Thetis hides Achilles um, away in an island named Skyros as disguised as a woman to prevent him from going to war which this also doesn't make sense because he has no responsibility to go to war he could just reject it but regardless um in Hyginus's fables fabuli which is a source i used um for the trojan war episode it says that when thetis the nereid knew that achilles the son she had born to peleus would die if he went to attack Troy. She sent him to the island of Skyros, entrusting him to king-like comedies. He kept him among his virgin daughters in woman's attired under an assumed name. Yeah. So, it seems that she doesn't want him to go to Troy because otherwise he'll die. And... This also happens in the song Achilles. He does, she sends him to Skyros so that he can avoid going to war. First of all, again, it doesn't make sense because, like, why would he have to go to war? He, he's not part of the oath to Tyndarius, but whatever. Um, but then also, it says that Thetis is obsessed with Achilles becoming a god. And then Patroclus even mentions this weird discrepancy, and he's like, I thought she wanted you to go to war. And then he's like, I'm too young. Well, when else are you going to go to war? There's not going to be another war. It's, like, I don't understand. I don't understand it. Like, why couldn't Thetis have just been a good person who wanted Achilles to stay alive? Like, whatever. And then, okay, now we're getting to the Diadamia part. When Achilles is on Skyros. In the myth, okay, actually, no, I'll just talk about the Song of Achilles first. In the Song of Achilles, Thetis forces Achilles and Didamia to sleep with each other. Specifically, she forces Achilles to sleep with Didamia. Then, she forcibly marries them, as in she makes she marry she makes them married together obviously um it's weird i don't i don't know how to like start off this start off discussion discussing this cuz like i just it's weird like i don't i understand what the um the explanation for why this happened is it's because we need Daidamia's son because Daidamia's son is going to show up later in the story. Ignoring the fact that Daidamia's son isn't actually important to the plot, and he could have been replaced with any Joe Schmo, uh, ignoring that, um, Daidamia basically wants, or not Daidamia wants, Achilles has to be able to produce this child with Didamia 
while at the same time staying loyal to Patroclus, and also staying straight. Um, for one, I have a few issues with this before we even get into the sexual assault thing. For one, Achilles is like, he and Patroclus, I mean, they're in a relationship, but they've never actually discussed being exclusive. So I don't, I don't really understand why he can't just do this. Because they, I mean, I understand that they are, like, I don't know, like, boyfriends at this point. But, like, you maybe you could have, like, given them, like, a little breakup scene or something. I don't know. I just don't think it was necessarily necessary for it to be sexual assault, right? Whereas, and then the other thing about Achilles just totally being gay and not, like, attracted to women at all, it's like, I mean, Achilles in the Iliad slept with women all the time, like, specifically too, but he had sex with women. He had relationships with women. And I understand that you want... I understand... Well, this is kind of an iffy issue, honestly. Because I think that the intention... Madeline Miller's intention by making Achilles not attracted to women at all is that he's completely loyal to Patroclus. So I don't know if it really counts as by erasure. I've seen people call it by erasure. I think in a way... It is by erasure, but also at the same time, when you're character is bi, and they're completely loyal to one partner who is either a man or a woman, it's very hard to represent bi-ness. And honestly, Achilles could still be bi, given this information. He's just not attracted to any of the women in his life because he has Patroclus, you know? Because maybe he was attracted to girls before? I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, I don't know if... I would. I personally don't I personally don't classify it as by erasure, but I definitely could see how someone could see it that way, you know? Um, but yeah, I just, I just think that it was kind of unnecessary. I feel like we could have had a, like, we don't need to make Achilles loyal, in my opinion. Like, they never actually talked about being exclusive, maybe, um, I don't know. They could have talked about it later, and he would have been like, oh, I just thought this was like... Mm. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But I just don't think that it needed to be this way. Because what you create by making this the plot is you completely demonize Thetis. Like, there is no coming back for Thetis. Like, she has a little bit of character development at the end of the story, but at this point, if I would, if I had read the, the Song of Achilles before any, before knowing Thetis in the mythology, I would have hated her. I would not have... Like, I... This is not acceptable. I don't think that there's anything more evil in this world than to sexually assault or aid the sexual assault of your own child. And, yeah, I think that if the Song of Achilles, that is, like, there is genuinely no going back from that. And also, it it's also, like, she herself was sexually assaulted by Peleus canonically. She was canonically in the Song of Achilles, canonically raped by Peleus and did not enjoy it. <laughs> Obviously, that is what rape is, but... And she, like, was bitter about it the, her entire life, rightfully so. And why... Genuinely, why would she do this to another person? Especially her own child, who she presumably cares even a little bit about. Like, it... Ignoring Didamia's characterization for a second, why couldn't we just have made her the soul, 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 um, perpetrator. Like, why did we have to make it so that Thetis makes this happen? Why couldn't Didamia just have assaulted Achilles and we could have had it done with, you know? Because now it feels like by involving Thetis, it's almost like Didamia doesn't have the agency to sexually assault Achilles on her own. Not saying that she should sexually assault Achilles on her own. I'm just saying, like, for some reason it feels like Madeline Miller was like, oh, well, she can't sexually assault Achilles on her own, so we had to have Thetis be evil, you know? 
I just don't understand it. I will never understand it. Yeah. And then, this is a slightly more difficult issue of Didamia's characterization, because Didamia is not an important character. And I'm all for making good characters evil. But also, I don't know, it just rubs me the wrong way. I understand that, you know, changing these stories is integral to what a retelling is. But at the same time, it just... It rubs me the wrong way that a character who is a victim of sexual assault in the, in the mythology is actually the perpetrator in the Song of Achilles. You know what I mean? Because, okay, not saying that there's anything wrong with changing the myth, but in the end, when you're retelling a myth, you are paying homage to the myth. This isn't this isn't a new set of characters you're working with. These are characters who the readers know. These are stories that the readers know. To to not like to stray from the from the original text is very risky because it's especially if you're a very if the book becomes very popular amongst people who don't know the mythology, it's you you risk the the general world population thinking that this is what happened. And it just is not. And it's honestly like you know, when you're telling a retelling, we want to see untold voices. And I want to see Didamia's voice, you know? Like, we've heard about Achilles. I don't understand why. Like, I just... You know, I, I don't know. It just doesn't... Again, it just doesn't jive with me. I understand. I totally understand if there's people out there who don't have any feelings about this. Because, you know, anyone can change a myth. I think that, you know, it would be boring if they made everything the same. But also... To villainize Didamia, even though... Okay, because in the original mythology, she did not sexually assault Achilles. If anything, he sexually assaulted her. I'll read a book. I'll read a, pro- a passage from Statius's Achilleid, which is a an epic about Achilles' Achilles's, like earlier life before the Trojan War, written by some Roman dude in the, uh, I guess, like, first century, and, well, I guess, I guess I won't quote it first, I'll just give some, uh, some, uh, pre, pre, prior knowledge from the Achilleid. So, basically, apparently, Didamia had known that Achilles was a man, um, despite that he was disguised as a woman. And they were basically friends. She taught him how to act like a woman. He told her about what he what he'd learned at um, with Chiron, which again, he, Chiron was um, a centaur who trained them, who trained Achilles, and in the song of Achilles, also Patroclus, um, in a bunch of different things. And yeah, they're basically just really good friends. And he. The Achillea describes them as basically siblings. Like, they're the sibling kind of relationship. And Stadius says that, quote, She marvels at the deep tones of his voice, how she, how he shuns all her fellows and pierces her with too attentive gaze, and at all times hangs breathless on her words, and now he prepares to reveal the fraud, but she, like a fickle girl, avoids him and will not allow him to confess. Even so, beneath the mother Rhea's rule, the young prince of his mother Rhea's rule, the young prince of Olympus gave treacherous kisses to his sister, he was still her brother, and she thought him, she thought no harm until the reverence for their common blood gave way, and the sister feared a lover's passion. End quote. 
So, this is kind of like comparing, like, um, Achilles and Didamia's kind of relationship with Hera and Zeus's. Um, like, basically, like, the, the, Didamia is basically Hera, and she sees Achilles as her brother, basically, her friend, and basically he starts acting, like, very, like he's in love with her, basically, and she doesn't really realize that it's anything beyond friendship, but we'll see soon that he, that it is. Because they go to this, um, this festival, I guess, of Dionysus. And it's a, like, woman-only, um, like, forest or grove, I guess. And, obviously, Achilles is disguised as a man, um, or as a woman, so he's allowed to go. Um, and while they are celebrating this festival. Actually, I don't know if there's a festival going on. They're just, like, having some random party in this. In, um... In this grove, randomly. Um... But while they're doing that... I'll just quote this. He gains by force his desire, and with all his vigor, strains her in a real embrace. The whole choir of stars beheld from on high, and the horns of the young moon blushed red. She indeed filled the grove and mountain with her cries, but the train of Bacchus, dispelling slumber's cloud, deemed it the signal for the dance. On every side the familiar shout arises, and Achilles once more brandishes the thyrsus, Yet first, with a friendly speech, he solaces the anxious maid. I am he, why fearest thou, whom my cerulean mother bore well nigh to Jove, and sent to find my nurture in the woods and snows of Thessaly? Nor had I endured this dress and shameful garb, had I not seen thee on the seashore. Twas for thee I did submit, for thee I carry skeins, and bear the womanly timbrel, timbrel. Why dost thou weep, who art made daughter-in-law of mighty ocean? Why dost thou moan, who shalt bear valiant grandsons to Olympus? But thy father, Skyros, shall be, by, be, shall be destroyed by fire and sword, and these walls shall be in ruins, and the sport of wanton winds, ere thou pay by cruel death for my embraces. Not so utterly am I subject to my mother." Horror-struck was the princess at such dark happenings, and shuddered at his presence, and his countenance was changed as he made confession. What is she to do? Shall she bear the tale of her misfortune to her father, and ruin both herself and her lover, who perchance would suffer untimely death? Silent is she in her grief. And she, yielding to the prayers of both, assents. With secret cunning, she conceals the rape, and the swelling womb, and the burdens, burden of the months of ailing, till Lucina, built, brought round by token the appointed season, her course now fully run, and gave deliverance of her child. That was a really long passage. passage and totally understandable if you don't understand what I just said. But... Basically what happens is that um, Achilles sexually assaults Dejamia in this grove, this sacred grove that only women are allowed to go in, um, and she doesn't want to, clearly, because she's crying and moaning, and not in a good way, <laughs> she's crying. And he's like, why are you crying? I am... You're gonna, like... He literally says, don't I deserve this? After I, you know, dressed as a woman and suffered uh, for these, like, past however long. Um, and then he says, you should be glad that, you know, you... Uh, you are... You, you've been honored by, by, um, 
becoming the daughter-in-law of Olympus. This is why I hate Achilles in the mythology. Um, and basically, Didamia knows that... Didamia still likes Achilles. Like, she still has love for him in a platonic way. And she she has no idea what to do. And knows that if she tells her father, she'll be both ruined, quote-unquote, and also Achilles will probably be killed. And... So she stays silent, and she gives birth to her child with in secret. Um, and I think that this is a story that not enough people know about Achilles, and I think that more people should know it. And I don't think it's ev- I don't think it's necessarily every person's responsibility, every retellers' responsibility. To amplify every untold story in the myth. However, <laughs> for the Song of Achilles to kind of flip this on its head and make it so that Dajami actually sexually assaults Achilles, I just don't know how I feel about it. Like, I just don't, I, I don't like it, but at the same time, I'm not sure if my if I'm genuinely, like, like, I don't know if I should be fine with this, you know? Because, personally, I just don't like it. That's my instinct. I don't like this part. I think that, I mean, I think that there are definitely ways that we, that Didamia could have not been sexually assaulting Achilles. Like, because, because yes, it was sexual assault. I mean, he didn't want it. Um, like, and I know, again, like, it's because Achilles needs to be loyal to Patroclus, but why did it have to be like this, you know? Like, it just kind of rubs, again, rubs me the wrong way. Um, yeah, I don't think I really need to talk anymore about Dijamia. I think that's really all I had to say. Like, I just, I just don't like it. That's it. The last person whose characterization I actually really, really like is Briseis. I think her story is so much better of a story than Dijamia's. Um, I think that the way that Madeline Miller twisted it so that she didn't, that she, so that so that Achilles was still loyal to Patroclus, but Briseis wasn't a terrible person, was really creative. Because you wouldn't think that Achilles would be like nice in that way. But, in the Iliad, Patroclus and Briseis are actually friends. So, it makes total sense that Patroclus would advocate for Achilles to basically rescue Briseis. Because then why would they be friends? You know, like, he's, in the in the Iliad, they're like, Achilles is her, 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 I don't, I don't even know what to call him. You know, like, he he's just a terrible person who's basically destroyed his life. And why would she like the friend-slash-lover of him? But it makes total sense. And I think that the way that Madeline Miller um, had that happen was really cool. And I actually really like it. I didn't really have much to say about it. Um, I will say, it's very interesting that she made Brise's a prospective, but not really yet in any serious way, a love interest of Patroclus. Um, because we kind of see, like, Patroclus, it kind of begs the question, like, is he attracted to her? I mean, we know she he's not, but in a separate world where Achilles didn't exist, would they be to, would they, would he like her? It's interesting to think about. Um, I don't think it's actually... There's not really much deepness to it that we actually really need to discuss. Um, I think, um, in a way, it does... It's interesting. I don't think it... I don't think it really has anything to say about really anything. But I think it's it's interesting. Um, And I don't think really anyone expected him to take her up on that offer. But there's nothing wrong with her offering, taking... Shooting her shot. Um... 
Yeah, I just really like Briseis in this. And I, what I really especially like about Briseis is that she calls Achilles out. She's, like, one of the only people in the entire, entire novel to call Achilles out. Because at the end of the, near the end of Achilles' life, um, she, like, Achilles is mourning Patroclus. Because, yeah. And then Briseis says what we have all been thinking. And says, it's your fault. You shouldn't have let him go. You should have just fought. And then this wouldn't be a problem. And everyone is, everyone is in agreement. Briseis is the character insert. <laughs> um, is the reader insert character. I mean, Patroclus is to some degree that, but also not. You know, because, like, we don't, I don't think many people relate to Patroclus in completely, you know? I think that's all I had to say about the characters. Um, yeah. There are some, again, as you probably can see, um, there are some parts about the book's characterization that I really liked, and some that I really didn't like. Um, I think the next few sections will be really short, but wanted to talk a little bit about world building. World building is very, um, I thought it was really good. Uh, there were some kind of out-of-pocket things, um, like about how, uh, again, I'm not a classicist. Madeline Miller is. So, I could totally be wrong, but I thought it was very interesting that, um, there was a line by Odysseus that was like, you know, I know boys do that, you know, like, boys, young boys, participate in gayness, I guess. But, you know, when you grow up, you're expected to grow out of that. Which, I didn't, I don't know if that actually has any historical basis or not. Um, it's fine if she just made it up. I don't think it's really that important if she did. But, I don't, I'm not sure if that's necessarily historically accurate. It's just an interesting thing for him to say, I guess. Everything else I've really liked because I think um, Madeline Miller does a really good job about explaining everything. And it feels like a very lived-in world because we we get this, like, we get these nuances in, in um, language, for example. But, for example, uh, when Patroclus talks to Achilles about his pride, he says, you know, we use, I use the word for hubris. Or, I use the word, I use the Greek word hubris, which is, and then he describes it. And it's like, that's, I really like that part because, you know, we, it makes the world feel more lived in. Like, they're actually speaking ancient Greek, but it also gives us a good explanation of what that might be. And how it, how it would be translated in English. So, yeah, I really like that. Um, beyond that, I, the prose is just excellent. I don't think that there's been, this is one of the books where it's like, it's up there when it comes to my top most poetic books. The writing is really concise. It's really, po it's poetic but concise. And when I say it like that, it's like the two things are like an oxymoron almost. But honestly, I think that poetry is meant to be concise. I think that some people just don't understand that. And I think that it's good. I really like that. The descriptions are so effective, you know, and I think that is what the the crux of what poetry should be. Um, yeah, so I really liked the prose. It's just excellent. Um, yeah. You would think from this review that, like, I hate this book, but honestly, I don't. I really like this book, actually. It's just that I had more to say about the things that I didn't like. Um, and before I finish, wrap up this episode, I actually had this idea for every episode I would rank the book based on three different factors um, because I think re uh, retellings are very unique in the way that they kind of have three aspects to them. The, the, the story that you're telling, the way that you've retold the story that, you re that you're retelling, and things that you've added to the retelling. And I think that in a way those th three things aren't mutually exclusive, but I like the categories that I've made. And I've decided that, yeah, so the three categories are basically told, retold, and untold. So told is like, you know, 
the prose, the foreshadowing, the how well, like, these characters feel real, you know? Um, the story building, or the, the world building, um, how immersive the writing is, just in general, I think it's, it's very focused on just the writing. Um, retold is more like, what have you changed from the myth? What have you manipulated? What have you, what evidence have you taken from the myth to, and then extrapolated to create an argument, you know? And then untold is things that we completely don't know about. Like, for example, um, we completely don't know about, for example, Brisee's personality. That's an example of something that's untold. And we actually get some of that in The Song of Achilles. So that's an example of untold. I don't think that this, that this, uh, that this book necessarily has a lot of untold stuff. Most of it is retold. Um, but, yeah. I'm still gonna give all three scores. So, told. That's just prose. And I think the prose is excellent. So, I'm gonna give... Well, not necessarily just prose. It's just writing in general. Like, writing technique and skills. I, I'm just gonna go ahead and give it a 10 out of 10. I honestly... There was no part of the writing that I, that I did not enjoy. Retold. And this is kind of... Views that the author is able to create. The views that the author is able to talk about. About the... About the myth. You know? Like, how the author is able to change it to make a new story. That um, has a new agenda, basically. And I'm sad to say that I'm just gonna go ahead and give it a 5. Because there were some parts I really liked. Like, um, like, they changed that Achilles and Brisee's whole dynamic. Um, well, don't know. I feel like I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10. Because there was more that I didn't like than I liked in this realm. Um, because a lot of the things that Madeline Miller changed, I feel like there wasn't a lot of reasoning for some of it. And I think that the characterizations, I really didn't like them. Um, some of them I did really like. But a lot of them, the ones that I didn't like take preference, prevalence, because they are, like, the most important characters. Thetis, Patroclus. I did like Achilles, but I didn't like Thetis, Patroclus, and Idomia specifically. And I think Patroclus and Thetis are two of the characters that are most changed. So that's why I didn't really like the retelling aspect. So I'll give it a 4 out of 10. Um, and then as for Untold, I think this is kind of like uh, Patroclus and Achilles' time on Pelion. We don't actually know much about that. I really liked that scene. Um, we see Patroclus' emotions just throughout the entire thing. What he thinks about everything. We see Briseis' personality. We see Patroclus' personality to a degree. Um... We see Achilles' views. Um, we see Achilles' character development. We see, because, you know, we don't actually see him being good. <laughs> but, like, we don't actually, you know. And we see his opinions on the Iphigenia situation. Um, we see his opinions on a lot of things where it was just like, we see a lot of people's opinions, you know. And I think that's, that's, that's interesting. I think that's really important to a story. Um... So yeah, for, un for Untold, I'm going to go ahead and give it a 9 out of 10, I guess. Um, simply because the Untold thing was like... Oh, also another thing I didn't really like about Retold was like Patroclus's, you know, character change. Although I guess that also is another thing about characterization. So yeah, I'll give the characterizations a 4 out of 10. Um, or not, Retold, 4 out of 10. And then Untold is 9 out of 10 because... Uh, I think all of it was really good, but I don't think there, there was necessarily enough for it to be exemplary, you know? Because I feel like, because I'm kind of operating on the scale for retold and untold. Like, 5 out of 10 is 
either it's kind of neutral or there's no retelling at all or untelling at all untold stuff being told at all and i think that you know there's just not that much untold stuff um i don't think that the book really highlights a lot of the stuff that we don't know about um it doesn't create many interesting things in the spaces that are empty um but it's still interesting i don't think uh it's not i guess it's less interesting but it's just i just really enjoyed those scenes and those scenes had a lot of life to them which i think is hard because you don't know exactly what happened so you so you kind of i think you tend to skip over those parts when you're doing retelling but um madeline miller definitely did not do that and i thought it was really fun to see you know their everyday life on Peleon, and uh yeah and i also really liked <laughs> i also really liked how uh patch the entire thing was told through patroclus's i even after the um the burial or even after he died <laughs> because it does make sense because you know like a ghost he because the ancient i'm pretty the ancient greeks believed that if you didn't give someone burial rights they wouldn't be able to cross they wouldn't be able to cross into hades basically so it makes a lot of sense actually um i've seen people criticize that part and i'm just like why like i think it's really creative um so yeah that was another thing about, about untold that i really liked um i also think that it really makes sense that pyrrhus because in the actual mythology pyrrhus never like disallowed he never i don't think we've ever seen pyrrhus say anything about hating patroclus um but seems in line with his character he's not a very good person um (laughs) yeah yeah i think that 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 all everything that happened after their deaths made a lot of sense and it was a really interesting part of that might just be my favorite part of the entire book like when patroclus is floating around and I do like the part where he reconciles with Thetis a little bit, too. Um, and we kind of get a little bit of pro-Thetis stuff at the very end, where it's like, oh, it actually makes sense that she doesn't like that he's mortal, because after he dies, she will not be able to see him, you know? Just wish that we didn't, like, completely demonize her in the beginning, but yeah, I did like that part. Um, yeah, I think that's all I kind of had for this review. So, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you want me to, obviously I've done a lot of talking about characters. If you want to see more about specific characters, please go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. If Please consider at least. Um, it really, I haven't actually posted much on there yet, but it's going to be lit. It's only $2 a month. And if you can afford it, please do, because the podcast is actually, like, takes a lot of time out of my day. Um... It's pretty hard to maintain. Um, and, uh, yeah, it will really support me. And I feel like I'm not doing a good job of advertising this well. But, yeah, if you can, if you have $2 to spare, there's going to be really exciting stuff over there. Uh, you can read all the benefits and subscribe at patreon.com slash retoldpod. Um, besides that, the best way to, to support the podcast is to share. Um, share with your friends or leave a review. Either is fine. Preferably both, honestly. Um, word of mouth is great. Uh, reviews help with um, ratings or something. I don't know. And, yeah. Uh, so just leave a review on whatever podcast app you're, you're using. Uh, subscribe on whatever podcast app you're using so you don't miss future episodes. Uh, share the podcast with a friend if you enjoyed it. Um, you can also contact me with any questions, comments, suggestions, corrections, criticisms, etc. Uh, concerns, I guess. Um, uh, you can do that at retoldthepodcast at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram where I'll also be posting updates, maybe. I haven't posted anything on there yet. Um, planning to use it to some degree. And, uh... I also am. I also have a story graph. Um, you can see trigger warnings there, content warnings. I'll be putting like specific trigger warning and content warnings in my disc- for my podcast in my description. But if I didn't talk about it, 
and it's in the book, I won't be really talking about it. So if you want to see those extra, if you, if you're planning to read the book and you, you're concerned about that, uh, Storygraph has a really good trigger warning system and you can see other people's opinions as well. Um, that's app.thestorygraph.com slash retoldpod. Um, I also have a curious cat that's in the description, but it's also retold pod. Basically everything is retold pod except for my Gmail because it was taken. Um, so yeah, please don't hesitate to contact me with anything. Um, I would really love to hear your thoughts and yeah, I hope you, I hope you enjoyed this because I sure as heck did. It was really, it was really, what, what's that word? Cathartic to just, like, release all my, all my opinions, and just talk forever, um, kind of the point of the podcast, but, yeah, thank you so much for listening, I hope you enjoyed, um, yeah, this has been retold, uh, and I'll see you next time.